What is going on, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 81 of RizzoCast, and we are joined today by a very special guest. Um, usually, I mention in, in our bios on, on uh, Twitter and Instagram and all of our social media pages, it's amateur and professional baseball players, coaches, media, and fans. And we have a big fan of the San Francisco Giants with us today, Tyler Hall. Uh, he's known in the Giants community as the first 22nd K in Oracle Park history. And he also has a podcast that he does with a friend of his called Bay Bay Baseball, where they cover the uh, Bay Area baseball and general MLB news. It's Tyler Hall. Welcome to the show, Tyler. What's up? Hey, Steven. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Super excited to uh, have you here. I know uh, we've been trying to get this together for quite some time and what better way and what better time to get this together uh, while the Giants are about to embark on a postseason journey after their best regular season team of all time. So I'm going to kind of start there. Um, 107 wins. I mean, obviously, we talked about this in the past episode with Doug Hayes. We can't say enough about 107 wins. It's the most in franchise history. The Giants um, had an all-time great year when nobody expected it. You know, so I, I want to ask you and I asked Doug the same question heading into the year. Where was your, you know, kind of optimism? I can't talk right now for some reason. Optimism in terms of win totals or projections for this season. Yeah, I mean, going into the year, I was thinking, you know, tops, maybe they could kind of carry what they had last year over a whole 162, maybe float around 500, maybe sneak into a second wild card spot. And then, you know, and then from there, I was happy with that because, you know, the teams have proven especially the Giants in the past all you need is a ticket to the dance and anything can happen so you know I I was thinking you know best case maybe mid to high 80s uh and, and maybe sneak into the playoffs and they didn't sneak into the playoffs they bulldozed into the playoffs they bulldozed into the playoffs so at what point did you think the Giants were for real because I know and again, this was mentioned last night too, but I want to reiterate because it's different for a lot of people, including the baseball industry, who thought that this team wasn't for real up until the point where they won the division, right? That's when they finally said, oh, wow, the Giants, you know, the Dodgers are not going to catch up to the Giants. But some people saw it in June, um, really, really bold people saw it in like end of May. All-Star break. I mean, where did you kind of see this magic start building up? The people that say they saw it in May, I think, are uh, stretching it a little bit. You know, the, the beginning of the season, I was just trying not to get too excited. You know, I know it's a, you know, I've been a Giants fan for 30, over 30 years now. So I know it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. So I was just trying not to get too ahead of myself. But, you know, when they're, you know, hanging around at the end of April, like, okay, let, let's try to carry it through May. They carried it through May. Once it started to get to July and you start to talk about the trade deadline and, and, you know, usually the last few years it's been, okay, like, are they going to buy or sell with Farhan? It became kind of a, how are they going to toe the line and do a little bit of both? And that was not the expectation coming up to the trade deadline this year. It was like, how are we going to better the team to, to finish this thing off? So I think probably like mid July when a lot of the trade talks was really starting to heat up, that's when I was like, okay, this, this is a real thing. Um, I don't know if I necessarily believe they could hold off the Dodgers until late August, early September, when they finished the, the season series against the Dodgers with a winning record in the season series against them. And they, they were in first place after that. So, you know, I was like, okay, they can, they can hold on now. So I'd say, you know, buzz for the, the playoffs around trade deadline. And then 
that they could take the division home around the beginning of, of September. So your whole life as a Giants fan, what was going through your mind when you saw the 103 win mark? Yeah, I mean, I shot out a tweet about this because I was about I was nine years old in 1993. I remember just being completely dejected watching game 162 against the Dodgers. And so when they got to 103 with a, at least, I'm glad they had a few games to spare. I was like, okay, just get off of this number. And uh, I was really glad that they won the next game right away and got off of it because, I mean, 1993 was a historic year, not just for, you know, the most wins in San Francisco Giants history, but that changed baseball. That was what made uh, Bud Selig at the time think, you know, a team that wins 103 games should probably make the playoffs in some capacity. Let's make a wild card. Uh, you know, that was a, a historic season for that. Also led to the realignment when they thought, you know, having the Atlanta Braves in the NL West is kind of goofy. Uh, so, you know, that that whole season just it changed a lot. And I just wanted to kind of put that behind the, the franchise and the, the fans that have been along around to remember it. So were you a fan of that move? Because I know you're a humongous fan of Bud Selig. No, I'm just kidding. You're not a big you're not a big fan of Bud Selig. Did you did you like those changes? I mean, with how big the game was getting and especially with teams moving around so much you're in players moving around, you know, it doesn't hurt to keep more fans and more fan bases interested later into the year. So I, I was happy with yeah. At the time I was kind of like even more pissed off that they created the wild card after that year. Cause like the year after we went 103 games, now you want to start putting this stuff in, but you know, in the long run, I think it's been great. I mean, if if there was no wild cards or still only one wild card this year, we wouldn't have had as big of an assign, uh, excitement going down the stretch for the AL wild card. We had, you know, the A's fell off, I think, maybe four or five games before the season ended. And then we had a four-way race for two spots going into the final day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that was that was probably for the best for, for the game. Yeah, the A's kind of fell apart right after the Giants saw them. And I do want to get more into this year's team. Um, what is what has kind of impressed you the most? Because I know I separated into different categories. Um, veteran players, obviously, the first one. I feel like they've had a huge impact. Doug, like Doug Hayes, who we had on last episode, likes to call them the other guys. So there's the other guys that would be category number two, which is you know your Austin Slaters, Darren Ruffs, Lamont Way Juniors, Stephen Duggars, and then you got the starting pitching, which is just full of one year contract guys that were reclamation projects. And then, you know, then you have to go with, obviously, the bullpen, who were minor league free agent guys. Then you have to go with the coaching staff, who were young and inexperienced in 2020 when they were first brought in. And now they're possibly hot items for other teams this offseason. So what has kind of been your go-to, uh, you know, if you were to point out one certain group or one certain player, one certain accomplishment for this 2021 Giants team, where would you point? Just one is tough. I mean, I would just kind of point to the fact that they they always were in it. They never had like a long losing streak. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know I just it just seemed like they found a way to win every series. Even if they lost a game, they'd win two out of three in almost every series. Whatever group needed to step up did step up. You know, there would be times where you know, you, it was just seemed almost like every night there was a different guy that, that stepped up. Uh, I kind of mentioned it uh, in the chat uh, for the for the podcast last night, but. You know, first baseman, you know, everyone talks about Belt, the captain. Yeah, he, he had a career year, but the Giants as a whole out of first base because Belt did miss a lot of time. Uh, we'll, we'll leave the Belt Wars out of this. He missed a lot of time, though. But 
the Giants as a whole still had the most home runs by first baseman in all of baseball. You had Lamont Wade stepping into the lineup and, and producing, not just take, not just filling the, the lineup. You had Darren Ruff, uh, you know, a few other, uh, your boy Jason Vossler, I think, had a couple games at first. Uh, you know, it was just, it, you know, and then, like I said, just guys stepping up. Most pinch hits, pinch hit home runs in baseball history. Uh, part of that is Kapler knowing to, uh, having the guts to make some moves that didn't, you know, wouldn't be popular. And a lot of it is just those guys having the mindset and staying prepared and being ready to, to come in and produce whenever their number was called. Were you on board with the Kapler, with the Kapler hire, or was there some convincing that had to be uh, involved? I was absolutely against it at the time. I had some uh, very uh, heated tweets at the time. I'm sure you remember some of them. I, I was, I definitely wouldn't have chosen him myself, but you know what, you know, there were people saying I'm boycotting the giants for this hire. I was never that heated about it. I, I kind of adopted, you know, I was in Farhan's camp pretty early. And so I, I just was like, all right, I'm not a fan of it, but Farhan knows more about baseball than pretty much anybody. If he thinks this is the guy to run this team, I'm going to give him a shot. And so well, I wasn't a fan of the hire. I, I was definitely open-minded to see how he did. And uh, so far it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. He's going to run away with manager of the year in the national league. And I know you put it in the comments last night, who else would challenge him? There's really nobody else. I, I mean, I think it, it should be unanimous. If you look at, you know, it's been talked about, especially on Twitter for months now, they basically passed their Vegas or expert predictions in what was it? Probably late July. They were, they passed their over under, you know, he just, the, the team as a whole just completely smashed any projections. Uh, he took a team that people thought might even be fourth place in the NL West to the best record in baseball. So I think it should be unanimous. I think you'll get one or two homers, maybe someone from, from St. Louis uh, voting for their manager for, uh, for Schultz or, you know, someone else, someone who just doesn't want, you know, there's always, it always seems like there's that one voter who wants to, be the story after a vote comes out, whether that be for manager of the year, MVP, you know, so, but yeah, he's, he's a runaway. And so, you know, it, it's great to see, you know, his whole managerial run with the giants has been kind of out of the box, you know, his, his coaching staff. I remember when they were putting that staff together, people were just like, what are the giants doing? And, you know, they're, they're reinventing the wheel a little bit, kind of how the 1993 season, like I said, reinvented a lot of things in baseball. I think what the Giants are doing right now is going to change how a lot of teams are looking at how they build not even their team, but their coaching staff. No, I a hundred percent agree. And, you know, we, we've kind of been uh, blessed in the Bay area by watching, you know, three championships in that five-year span. There's a little bit of a dry spell, but now the Giants are kind of back in the postseason. And I know those three years were absolutely insane for you. Uh, but, I want to ask what is kind of the similarities or differences that you've seen from this 2020, 2021 giants. I was going to say 2020, 21 giants, 2021 giants compared to maybe the 2010 team, the 12, 14, where do you kind of, uh, I don't want to say rank them, but you know, kind of analyze uh, what you've seen and some differences. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever, uh, sorry, I was just watching the Red Sox just one. My bad. Uh, <laughs> saw that too. Um, but you know, I've never, I've always kind of steered away of ranking even the 10, 12 and 14 teams with each other. Cause to me, I mean, a world championship is a world championship. They're kind of like your kids, like you love them all 
just in different ways. So I wouldn't say one is better than the other. You know, I love those three teams for different reasons. Um, and so, but kind of like what I mentioned earlier, how, uh, how this team, I think the biggest similarity is, you know, there's not a lot of superstar power on this team. Uh, I mean, although if you looked, if you would have told the Giants they were going to have Chris Bryant, Evan Longoria, Buster Posey, like 2014 versions of them, you'd be like, oh man, we have an all-star team. And, you know, they've had some resurgence, which is great. But, you know, it's just a bunch of guys that, that you didn't necessarily expect this from, but they play great ball together. They, they're very unselfish. They, you know, they're, they're going to take whatever role is given to them and they're going to do what they can to help the team win. And, you know, I think a lot of people overlook chemistry and just giving up yourself for the team in a lot of aspects, especially in, in pro sports. And I, I think that that chemistry is there, you know, look, this team has a lot of fun together too, which I think is key, especially over 162 games. You got to enjoy who you're, you're playing with. Otherwise it's going to get old at some point. Yeah. And they've said that a lot. They've said that, you know, even Buster Posey said this is by far the best group that he's played with, which is eye opening. And Brandon Belt said this is the best one. And it's crazy how, how some of the veteran players have, you know, thought that way. And another thing that I want to say is that this team is never compared to the other ones. And, you know, I was younger at the time and now I kind of maybe understand a little bit better, but this team is never out of games. I mean, four run leads for the opposition is nothing. I mean, these teams or this team is resilient. And I know resilient was the word that the, the giants kind of branded themselves as resilient SF before the season. And somehow like they lived up to it. And it's amazing how that worked kind of a coincidence in a lot of ways, but they're never out of a game. Yeah. And even some of those teams, like maybe uh, probably the 2014 team, maybe more like if, if, if they fell down two or three runs early, you're like, Oh man, like, I don't know, maybe I'll go do something else. You know, I'll get some chores done and then I'll come back later and see when this team falls down early. I'm like, okay, how are they going to do this? It's going to happen. I'm not leaving the, the couch because I want to see how it happens because it might not be, you know, uh, l- late night Lamont in the ninth. It might be a, a key rally in the sixth or something, you know, they're, they're going to find a way to, to make it close and often take the lead and then, and then hold on to that. So do you have an answer? Cause when I asked Doug this question, he didn't, you know, he looked at a few different things. Do you have an answer? If I ask what was your favorite like moment or win from this season? Um, I mean, honestly, one, there's like five or six that are like incredible. There's 107 <laughs> of them, but, uh, <laughs> but no, um, you know, there's one that was uh, – I was at a couple of them that I think were just really awesome wins. I was at the the game, I think it was a Tuesday night in uh, San Francisco where Bellinger threw it halfway up the net in third. Uh, I was there with a bunch of friends uh, from, from Giants Twitter. We were having a good time. We were down the right field line. We had the perfect view from behind first base of that throw. And right when it left Bellinger's hand, everyone just starts jumping before it even cleared third base. Uh, at one point, no joke. I know you know about this. It, yeah. Uh, uh, like a set somewhere between like 17 and 19 year old kid just hops on my back. I thought it was one of my buddies, and so like I ran down a couple rows and came back, and I turn around and I see the friend I thought it was jumping on my back, and he's staring at me like laughing. And it turns out it was the, the kid from the row behind us. You know, it was just that was a great, uh, great win, and that was a memorable moment for me. I was at the. Uh, the game in Oakland where Donnie barrels hit that late inning pinch hit Homer to take the lead, you know, just 
just stuff like, you know, those moments, you know, there's the, a couple of those Talkman plays who, you know, hopefully he gets a ring for his efforts. You know, he, you know, every, I've said a few times on Twitter, you know, there's two, two wins almost single-handedly because of, of Talkman. And some people say three, depends how you cut it. But either way, hey, the Giants won this division by one game. If he doesn't save those two games, you know, you can't say it would have all played out the same otherwise. But any, every win when you win by one game is huge. So, like you said, it, it's impossible to pick one. There's a lot of awesome memories from this season. Yeah, Mike Talkman, it might be three. Or it might, yeah, it might be three because he, he hit the grand slam. And, uh, he has a big and, grand slam. There's a few innings left, so I don't, you know, the, the – the Pujols Rob yeah. is definitely if, if he doesn't catch that ball, the game is over. Um, so yeah, he had a big grand slam in Texas and then he had a big, I don't know if it was a grand slam in Anaheim. It was like a three run Homer or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mike Talkman forever giant, of course. Absolutely. Um, now you got me thinking like, what about all time for Tyler Hall? Like where, where would you like in terms of games attended, do you have one that stands out? I mean, I'm a huge Barry Bonds fan. Uh, growing up as a kid, I loved Barry Bonds. And, uh, you know, I've taken some heat from non-Giants fans for that. I've defended that guy. I will forever. You can make a lot of arguments that this is the Tampa Bay Giants if he does, never comes aboard. Um, and so I was lucky enough to be at 756, which was huge. It was just we bought my dad and I bought a six pack of tickets at the beginning of the year. That was uh, before StubHub and everything. Or StubHub was kind of around, but you know, and we were coming from Sacramento, so we had to plan our games ahead. So six pack was perfect. It was like a game every month or so. All right, we know ahead we're going to get to at least these six, and we'll get to another three or four throughout the year. And it just happened to be we had six dollar tickets for the uh, left field bleachers for seven fifty six. And then uh, I was also at 660 for my, I always try to go to opening home opener and he tied Willie on opening day. And uh, I was, we had standing room only. So back when Bonds was approaching, I don't know if you, you know this, cause you weren't, you were a wee lad back then. But uh, when Bonds was approaching a, uh, a milestone home run, if you wanted to get onto the arcade, you either had to have an arcade seat or a standing room only seat. You couldn't walk around the perimeter of the ballpark like you can now. They would lock it down. And so we had standing room only seats. And if I was about 20 feet taller, I could have caught 660 as it flew over my head into the bed. It literally, I literally watched it like this. That's so, okay. So you were Lamont Wade Jr.'s mom before <laughs> Lamont Wade Jr.'s mom. Definitely. That's incredible. I mean, that's, that's funny because as you say that, I'm reading Game of Shadows, which I mean, no, it won't change my opinion on anything. I'm still a Barry Bonds supporter. I still believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. I believe he was a Hall of Famer before steroids. I, you know, 400, 400 club already, seven yeah. gold gloves already, you know, a few MVPs already. I mean, and I do want to get into this conversation right now. Uh, it's a nice okay, segue. Good. I was going to say, this could turn into a long conversation. So let's yeah, do it. Um, just what do you think? What, what would be, is it, is it an acceptable take for someone to say Barry Bonds does not belong in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. Um, you know, there's there's guys that used already. I mean, I think that the writers kind of get off on trying to be judge and jury and have kind of selective history. There's guy. I mean, take, for instance, Jose Canseco's book. Whenever you think of Jose Canseco, pretty much everything he mentioned in his book has kind of been vetted out and proven true. There you go. There it is. Juiced. 
Bash Brothers. Um, and, you know, there are guys in the Hall of Fame right now that he claims that, you know, he saw or even helped take steroids. Um, there's, you know, I, I just don't see how they – I think he's being penalized because he was the best that did it. I also think, you know, people kind of underestimate the power that that those performance-enhancing drugs had on people. You know, a lot of it were pitchers taking it. Uh, you know, help them bounce back more, help keep their arms strong. Uh, the, one of the only people that uh, admitted to doing it after the Mitchell report um, was FP Santangelo. He came out and said, yeah, I did it because I knew everyone else was doing it. And if I didn't do it, my career would be two or three years shorter. And when you're a guy like that, you know, two or three more years of making, even if it's league minimum, that's a few million dollars for your family. That could help set your family up for life. Um, and I don't care what you say, uh, taking anything, um, doesn't make you hit 700 and what 62 home runs. It doesn't help your hand-eye coordination. It doesn't help. I mean, and I think a great thing about Barry was he never chased. He still stuck to the zone. He, you you wouldn't get him chasing anything. So he he would get one pitch a night and he would hit it out. And steroids don't help you do that. Yeah, or one pitch a series. But I wrote down a few points just now. Um, you mentioned that pitchers were on the same thing. And I think that's a huge point. I mean, Eric Gagne was a PED guy and, you know, they faced off yeah. a lot that of times. One bat, that one epic Gagne bonds at bat. If I'm scrolling through the timeline and I see it, I stop and watch it every time. <laughs> it is just such an epic battle. And the most impressive thing about that is in the sequence, he pulls a 101 mile an hour fastball foul into the bay. Oh, like 60 feet into the bay too. It wasn't a cheapie. Yeah, that's insane. Um, yeah, same stuff. And, and you mentioned, you know, how much power does steroids have? My guesstimate would be like 20 home runs that he gets removed. Like literally, I think that's the difference in the world is 20. Um, I, I don't think I don't think it adds hundreds of homers. Uh, you know, 15 to 20 is what I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> but you know, it's just kind of weird to me, the select and like uh, people think that now that they test and stuff, that it's just not an issue there. There's players cheating right now. There's, they're always going to find a way to get ahead of the curve. They also, they like to pretend that anyone who's in the hall of fame already is a hero. There's guys, maybe some, even some guys that bonds passed on that home run chart that mm -hmm. admitted to taking performance enhancing drugs of their time. So, you know, ball players, you know, the, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And, you know, baseball is a, a tough game the only sport where if you do something right 30% of the time, you know, if you hit 300, you're an all-star, uh, any other sport, like if Tom Brady completed 30% of his passes, he's not even a quarterback, yeah. you know? So yeah, I mean, I could, I could talk to you about Barry Bonds and why he should be in the hall of fame for a long, long time. I mean, yeah. Amphetamines. That's, that's what they used way yeah. back when. And example, Actually, a, a friend who worked, used to work in the A's clubhouse, even until about 10 years ago, and they still basically had a leaded, you know, a leaded and unleaded coffee pot in oh. the clubhouse. <laughs> That's insane. Because there was stuff in it. She, uh, she told me one time she accidentally took some of the other coffee and she was like amped for like the whole night. That's incredible. <laughs> That's hilarious. I would, I don't know what I would do. I think I'd have to sit down and try and figure out what the hell I just took. So I don't know if you'd be physically able to sit down. <laughs> I guess not. I you guess need to not. move around a little bit. Yeah, no, I would not mash well with peds for sure um no but that's always a fun subject to talk about even though it, it is frustrating for a lot of people especially 
you know, when David Ortiz walks into the Hall of Fame, um, you know, and we've seen yeah. Piazza yeah, get in. When I, when I brought up uh, a minute ago how there, there's players now that are ahead of it, and there's some guys having great years right now that are in their 40s or late 30s, and it's just like, oh, what a great season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it was Barry, it was like, oh, he's cheating. That's why. So it's like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, and they all take mat. You know, if they are taking anything, it's usually a mask thing you know they're taking the mask supplement to mask another supplement um robinson cano tried to do that but the mask supplement showed up in his urine and they're like oh he's trying to mask something and then they ended up seeing what he was trying to mask too so that was double trouble for him um and he fell off the face of the earth probably his hall of fame chances too so Yeah. yeah no steroids is definitely uh will always be a topic especially people from your generation have you know opinions on it um, they, they put drug testing in and Barry Bonds never failed a drug test. Roger Clemens never failed a drug test. You know, it might've been illegal federally, but it was never, it was not illegal in baseball but until they started testing for it. And he, they never tested positive. Yeah. Well, I, I will try to play devil's advocate here. He did fail a test in 2007, but it was not meant to be public information. So, allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. So, but, uh, you know, and one last thing I'm going to throw out, you know, baseball fans, especially ones that are love the game enough to visit the Hall of Fame, they're going to know the era that these guys played in. They're going to have an idea what was going on. And I just feel like it, it discredits the Hall of Fame to a to an extent not to have some of those guys in the Hall of Fame. We don't have arguably the best hitter of all time, easily top three, one of the best pitchers of all time, not in the Hall of Fame just because voters don't like them. You know, the thing about Bonds and Clemens too, they're also some of the more prickly guys with the media. You know, you mentioned Ortiz and he was just always a happy-go-lucky guy. So mm-hmm. they love him. Um, you know, it, it just feels like they're, they're doing their, themselves a disservice by not showing the best players in the game in that museum, more or less. Yeah. It's a museum. I, I understand that it's a fraternity among the people that are in there and the hall of famers might not like it, but publicly it's a museum and you can't leave out an entire era of baseball history so when you can't play selective uh selective memory with that era either Mm -hmm. jeff bagwell's in mike piazza's in mike piazza admitted to using andrew the same stuff that mcguire was on but after mcguire had the articles written about him uh, piazza got scared it's in his book it's all in his book and he still got elected i don't know how it happens pudge waltzed right in pudge yes yeah he was in Conseco's book juiced you can't see it because my background but it's there um uh but no yeah it's definitely a fun debate and i i do want to ask you because you did you did mention that you were in the ballpark for 756 i'm gonna have a decent segue here and, and say that a lot of people weren't at the ballpark this season you know obviously the pandemic has something to do with it um Prices are always going to have something to do with it. Transportation is always going to have something to do with it. But for some reason, you know, and the Giants have been so fantastic at drawing, even during their losing seasons, 35,000 people was, you know, not a lot of people this year. That was a regular crowd or even less on weeknights that I worked, you know, consistently it was 22,000, 23,000 people. And, you know, there people have different reasons for it. And I was wondering, you know, maybe why do you think that that happened? Was it pandemic? Is there other things involved? I mean, 
I think a big part of it is the pandemic. I know you mentioned prices and the prices really weren't all that bad this year, especially compared to other really uh, other seasons where the Giants were really good. So I don't really think pricing for the game is an issue. I'll get to another pricing issue in a second, though. Um, and this, I, I do think the pandemic is a big part of it for, for two reasons. Uh, one is, you know, people got kind of used to just staying home and watching baseball last year. Mm-hmm. They might have gotten comfortable with just staying at home on the couch with the family and not feeling like they had to be at the ballpark. But uh, I think a bigger part for, for the area we live in is, you know, the, the Bay Area took the pandemic probably more seriously than anywhere in the country. You know, we were the, the first region to kind of lock down and to, to quarantine or shelter in place. And so I, I think there being, <laughs> thank you, Brooks, shout out to Hunter Hall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I think a lot of it is people still just, you know, baseball will still be there whenever we get back to normal. Hopefully that's soon. Hopefully that's next by next season. But, you know, I think they're willing to, to stay home and be comfortable at home and feel safer. And so they decided not to uh, not to test the the waters as much this year. Another thing, though, because halfway through the season, I moved from San Francisco back up to Sacramento. I actually went to a, my first game over the weekend, uh, having to commute back into the city. And it was like seventy dollars. Well, there's less parking now around. Lot A is basically gone. <sighs> and and where we found parking was seventy dollars. That is insane. Mm-hmm. The same lot two years ago, three years ago was literally $30. It was where my, my dad and his family would park and my sister and their family would park every time they came in for a game. And it's $70 now. You could, you could spend more on parking than tickets for four to into the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's double, triple the, pi- the price of and, tickets. And kind of to tie the pandemic into that, you have some people that have been out of work for a year and a half or finally just now getting back to work and they're not, they can't, justify spending $70 to park your car somewhere for three hours. So you can go spend another couple hundred in the yard. Yeah. And you know, people... it's definitely not the product on the field. It's not fan excitement for the team. Um, like you said, they drew when they were terrible and that goes all the way back to when the ballpark opened, whether this team has been awesome, whether they, they had Barry drawing people in, whether they had Lincecum, you know, and, and, and banners to hang, they, they drew. And, you know, even uh, 15, 16, or 16, you know, 17, 18, 19, when they weren't that hot, they were still drawing. You know, they'd get probably, you know, 25, 30,000 on a weeknight and they'd sell out the weekend. So it's not uh, a pro- worry about the product on the team. It's not no excitement. You know, we see you and I are on, on Twitter a lot. They're, this fan base is stoked on this team. And mm-hmm. so I think it's just, you know, pandemic related issues and, costs even before you get even into the stadium i also think transportation like you mentioned um, some people are taking you know buses in some people are taking bart in and just to tie it back to the pandemic one more time i mean i don't know how many people were so eager to hop on those those public transportation yeah, they get, they services get yeah they, get they do get after a game do you want to be in a sardine can with uh you know a couple hundred of your closest friends you've never met when <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, especially, especially for people with, with this, I'm, you know, now as a new dad, you know, you, people with kids, like I'm not going to take my kid onto a BART train, you know, with, packed with people when we can hang out at home and he can sit on my lap and we can watch a ball game. Even though Hunter Hall is immune to everything and he will live forever and ever. Absolutely. He's going to be a first round pick in 2018 or 2038. You have to tell the story about when, your son Hunter was born and you drove past the ballpark. Is that a true story? 
That is a true story. He was born uh, basically right down by Chase Center, UCSF uh, mm -hmm. Mission Bay is right down there. And so I may have taken a little detour, a little couple extra minutes on the commute home to make sure he had a view of the ballpark on the way home for the first time. That's incredible. I love that story so much. Um, <laughs> I mean, we even did, uh, we did our baby announcement uh, for social media was my wife in a mom jersey, me in a dad jersey, holding a baby onesie in between us in front of Oracle Park. So you guys are Giants family through and through. Absolutely. I mean, uh, even when Hunter was what, like three months old, he, we got him on MLB network because I posted a picture of him in a onesie that said, I already got here and I already hate the Dodgers. Yes. I remember taking a video of that and sending it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you were watching. Yeah. That, that, that was incredible. I never miss any of those shows on MLB network. I'm a nerd. Uh, <laughs> but no, that, no, that's incredible. When did you first start becoming a fan? Do you remember some of your like early childhood giants memories? Uh, some of my earliest ones are just, I just remember being out at Candlestick. I remember it always being cold and me never wanting to leave a game. Uh, I was lucky enough to grow up right down the street from my grandpa. So my dad, my grandpa and I would go to Giants games. And my grandpa was like your traditional old man who was just going to wear a flannel wherever he went. Mm -hmm. And so there would be games where he was just freezing, like lips turning blue and he wouldn't leave because he knew that I hated to leave a game early. Uh, so, you know, there, you know, I, I even remember where the, the fence used to be uh, chain link in the outfield still, at least in some areas. So you'd have like, uh, you know, like hot dog wrappers pinned up against the outfield fence because of the wind and stuff like that. And I, I remember, you know, Will Clark was my first favorite player. I remember going to his last game as a giant and the Chronicle handed out those cards that said, keep the thrill for the fans to hold up. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's been awesome. Yeah, no, it's been an awesome ride. And one thing that you have done, and this is kind of your your what you're known for on Giants Twitter, <laughs> your calling card. This is like your attribute. You know, everybody's got one. But you are the first ever, and I put this in the intro for a reason because it's impressive. You're the first ever 22nd K in Oracle Park history. Explain to me what that means and, and what that story is. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the, the K boards down the right field line, there's only 21 of them. And uh, luckily, I've been to both 18 inning games at the ballpark. The first one was, I think it was 2001. Uh, I'm terrible memory, but uh, uh, I was at, so I've been to both of those games. But uh, anyway, in 2019, I was at the a game with a couple buddies and uh, the game was going along and it was tied. We get into extras. They're, they're keeping on mowing down guys. The, the K boards start filling up. And so I kind of looked down and where the last K was, you can almost stand right next to it. And uh, at that point, I think the Giants had, it was, there was no scoring in extra innings. The Giants hadn't scored in like 11 innings. And I told my buddies like, Hey, if, uh, if the Giants fill up the K boards, I'm going to walk down there. Will you go with me? And they're like, Oh, sure. And uh, 20, they're out of, they're out of K boards. Another strikeout happens. And so I just went and, Stood up. It was uh, I was wearing a uh, my orange hoodie and just stood there with my arms out like that for to signify the K. And uh, they actually struck out the side that inning. So two random strangers I'd never met before uh, <laughs> joined me. And the, the last one was uh, and like he's like eight years old. His name's Dominic. Uh, shout out if you're listening, Dom. And uh, and uh, he at first he just stood up like us, but then we told him that it was a strikeout looking, so he actually turned around so he could be a backwards K. And uh, you know it was just cool. It was just you know 
if you interact with me at all on Twitter or anything, or if you know me in person, I just always try to bring joy or try to help people have a good time. And like I said, the Giants hadn't scored in 11 innings. Everyone was just kind of sitting there like, okay, when's this game going to end? Because once you get past like the 12th or 13th, like if you were going to leave, you left already, you're like pot committed to this game. And I was like, hey, you know, maybe this will give the few hundred people here that are left a good laugh. I didn't expect much. I mean, it was like one o'clock in the morning. So I was like, okay, maybe people are watching. They'll get a good laugh too. And then I'll go home and go to sleep. And like, as I was standing there with my hands out, my phone is just going nuts in my pocket. And it was, it was nuts. But yeah, I, I basically just did it just to try to get people a good laugh and uh, bring a little life into the ballpark. That was incredible. No, I remember it really well. And I was dozing off and I was like, that is Hunt, that not Hunter, that is Tyler. <laughs> That's Tyler right there, you know, with the K's. And um, what was kind of the reaction? Cause I know you said your phone was buzzing you got a lot of support on Twitter. You got a lot of laughs on Twitter, yeah. but the broadcast even picked it up. The broadcast picked it up. Did the organization at all pick it up too? Did they, yeah. did they have anything for you? Yeah. The organization picked it up. Uh, they, they, right when the game ended, they brought us all three down like a little bag and had one of the, the two flaps down hats and like, Oh, thank you. And then I guess that it caught enough buzz mainly because I'm not going to take credit here. It's because it was a franchise record for strikeouts in a game. Um, but a few, like about a month and a half later, they had like a, spe- you know, and they do those special events where you buy a ticket and you get a shirt and seats in a specific section. So they did it where if you bought the special event ticket, you got seats down by the K boards and you got a t-shirt, which I'm actually wearing right now. And uh, that that's me right there. Um, so, you know, that that's pretty cool to have. And, you know, I'll be able to tell Hunter that story and show him some video clips, but, you know, it was really cool that they, uh, they, you know, decided to include like our silhouettes on something to to note a franchise record. I can't wait for Hunter to join you one day as you go Absolutely. back and you recreate the moment. That would be you'd have to get like you'd have to pick the right game. Like you'd have to know the right pitching matchup, you know, a game oh. that's that's going to go 18 innings or something. And believe me, strikeouts. Know how you 18 innings. <laughs> no, you can't. But, you know, just just buy but, season tickets or something. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, it'll be cool to show him. And then uh, one day we'll be able to take him down to sit by the K boards or something. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, before we go, um, I don't know when this podcast is going to get released, but what I do know is postseason is at its early stages. So I do, before we go, I want some predictions here um, in terms of your Giants, any hot takes, any, um, yeah, I guess, you know what? Let's start here wild card game which might have happened by now if you're listening or watching who would you want the san francisco giants to play and i know you and i have discussed about it we've been in bubbles that have discussed about this who would you play the los angeles dodgers or the uh st louis cardinals i would want the giants to play the st louis cardinals because you know buzz and and you know great matchups are one thing but you get to the playoffs win championships and I don't care if, if the Dodgers were the Cubs with that team. I would want them to play the Cardinals. It's not because it's a Dodgers thing. It's because it's a matchup thing. And, you know, the Cardinals aren't going to be a walk in the park either. They have two certified Giants killers in their lineup. They have strong starting pitching. I just think that out of those two, especially in a short series, you know, you could face Bueller, Urias, and Scherzer. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. And you're and you're done. And that's for any team. That's not the Giants. That's just anyone who has to face those three. So if you can avoid that buzzsaw of a rotation and we're not even getting into their their lineup, 
which is also full of all-stars. You know, if you want to win a championship, I think you have to say the Cardinals. Now, if they do end up playing the Dodgers, it's going to be memorable. I hope that the Giants win, obviously, but mostly so we don't have to deal with Dodgers Twitter for <laughs> the next year. But, um, yeah, I, I hope it's the Cardinals. If it's the Dodgers, bring them on. You know, we like we've, we talked about a little bit earlier, we won the season series against them. It's not like they kicked our butts and, and they need to find a way to right the ship against them. So that's just my, my preference and my take on it. I know it's a hotly debated topic on Giants Twitter right now. Yeah, no, I definitely think the Giants would be better favored in a matchup against the Cardinals. I think they're way, way more easy to read. They have a lot of right-handed hitters and they've granted they're all hot. I mean, O'Neill, Bader, Goldschmidt, Arnado, Molina, they're all right-handed. I mean, DeYoung, they're all right-handed. I think the only – Dylan Carlson's a switch hitter, but um, there might be another left-handed hitter in their lineup. But, I mean, no, it's it's definitely interesting. And, you know, their pitching, I think, is a question mark. They tried to address it, but they addressed it with John Lester and Jay Happ. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, they've been pitching well, but, hey, it just takes one game to throw them off the rails a little bit. And, you know, we just talked about some 18-inning games. I guess my one wish for the game tomorrow is that it goes 18 innings. <laughs> so everybody's just gassed. Yep, absolutely. Even the losing team. Um, yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Do you have any hot takes for the Giants? Any uh, bold predictions? Any expectations? Obviously, you're, uh, you want your team to win a championship. That's the clear number one goal. Yeah. But what are kind of your expectations heading into postseason for the 2021 Giants? I mean, one expectation is that they're, they're going to be in every game. They're not going to lay down. They're not mm-hmm. going to go down easy. They're going to they're going to fight through this whole thing. Um, well, thank you, Brooks, with the rundown on the on the cards line up there. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be kind of similar to some some previous championship runs. We're going to get, you know, we got some stars or some, you know, some stars that are a little later in their careers that are established. And I think they'll play well. I think they're, you know, some of those guys haven't been in the playoffs for a while. So I think they're going to relish the moment and hopefully step up. Hopefully this break will give Chris Bryant a chance to figure some things out and we can see uh, see him bounce back. But I think we're going to have some of those guys, you know, I think, you know, maybe a guy like a Wilmer Flores or an Austin Slater or, you know, or late night Lamont, La Ninth, if you will, Steven's favorite. You know, so, some, someone like that is going to step up in a big moment for this team and uh, etch themselves in forever giant history. It was definitely Greg Papa that said that. There's nobody else that could have come up with La Ninth. Maybe the Giants' social media page, but that is such a horrible nickname. Like La Ninth, like what are we even doing here? That's why it's not his nickname. Exactly. Late night <laughs> Lamont is so perfect. It's amazing. And, you know, maybe late night Lamont will have some late night heroics in October. Um, Tyler, man, I appreciate you coming on. We've been trying to set this up for a while now, and I'm glad we uh, finally got the chance to do it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. And, uh, you know, go Giants. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, for sure. Yes, There's something I wanted to say. I wanted to make sure I got this out there for the whole world to see, you know, I've known you for five years, man. And the, the, I remember very early on when we met, you told me that you were going to be a sports writer. You were going to cover the giants and your commitment is awesome. You're doing what you said you wanted to do already at a very young age. So I just wanted to say, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm proud to call you a friend. I'm excited for you and excited to see, uh, see what the future holds for my man, Steven Risotto. Yes, man. I appreciate that. That's awesome. 
big news. I will be covering postseason baseball. So I just so NL NLDS. I don't know what it's looking like yet because I'm not really sure what I'm you know what my schedule looks like. I will. What's more important than Giants baseball, Steve? I know, I know, I know. But you know we're going to be away. So and but definitely NLCS World Series got the credentials approved today. Got the email today. Awesome. And uh, we're going to be good to go in that regard. But no, you get a plus one. Do you want to come? No, <laughs> I don't think I do. I don't know. Uh, but if I do, Tyler, you you would be my definitely at the top of that list for sure. Um, but no, definitely. I appreciate the kind words and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, you're welcome. Anytime you guys could follow Tyler on Twitter at that guy, Tyler, uh, that guy, T Y L O R. And then uh, his uh, podcast is, um, Bay Bay Baseball with uh, his friend Clayton and Prada. Is that how you say his name? Clayton and Prada. And Prada. So go check that out too. It yeah. is and your then source. Next year, uh, SFG Giants History 2012 will be coming back. I'm doing the, I'm going to bring it back. I did it in 2020 for the t- uh, 2010 Giants recap every day so you can see where those championship teams were 10 years ago from that day. So that's incredible. I love, I love that concept. And, uh, Looking forward to it for sure to kind of relive some of those memories. Uh, and of course, you guys can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. Some excited stuff coming up soon. And see you soon.